0: Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mastermind FM. I'm Mark from WP Mayor and WP RSS Aggregator. And today we're speaking with Brian Link from the Plugin Economy and Link Software. Brian, it's great to have you with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Where are you joining us from today? I'm in the States. I'm in Ohio, Northern Ohio. All right. Quite a time difference to the EU. Yeah. We're going to talk to Brian about the Plugin Economy, which is basically a website that interviews a number of WordPress product owners and developers. We're going to get to know a bit about Brian before that. So, Brian, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, uh, my name is Brian Link. I run a one-man
1: web development company called Link Software. Uh, I started part-time freelancing, I guess, in 2003. Then about 10 years ago, I went full-time. Uh, I focus mainly on like custom web applications, usually internal tools like project management, inventory control, stuff like that. And then uh, part-time or on the side, I do... WordPress plugins and just weird side projects. And one of those weird side projects is the plugin economy.
0: All right. So, in your interviews on the plugin economy, which we'll talk about a bit later on, one of the questions you seem to like to ask is how the individual got involved with WordPress in the first place. So, how did you get involved with WordPress in the beginning?
1: Uh, Well, like every software nerd, I made my own content management system a long time ago. And that's what all my clients were on for the longest time. And then eventually, probably, boy six, seven years ago, maybe, I started to switch people over to WordPress. So pretty much every single public-facing project I do now runs on WordPress. And then my plugin I make called WP Word Count. I released a free version of that probably around the same time, seven
0: or eight years ago. All right. So what made you switch from your own to WordPress? Um,
1: A lot of reasons. Frustration from clients was one of them. <laughs> Plugins that I didn't feel like building from scratch for myself. Were a big part of that as well
0: so you used to build everything yourself before
1: yeah everything was custom built that's that's my racket everything is custom but in hindsight now a custom content management system is probably not the smartest thing to jump first into so yeah it was just ease of use for clients and myself to be honest like it just cuts down on time
0: all right and you mentioned link software so link software is web development and wordpress plugin development mm-hmm. all right and how did that sort of get started in the beginning The plugin, several plugins I've made have
1: been discontinued, but the one that still exists is WP Word Count. And I originally wrote that because I wanted to um, count the words on my work journal. I use a local install WordPress to keep track of my client work every day. And I thought to myself after a couple of years, like, man, I've written a lot about these clients. So the existing tools just weren't that great. So I kind of wrote my own. And uh, over time, it's just kind of expanded into what it is today. But that was the initial motivation was just
0: kind of pleasing myself. All right. Okay. And you've always worked as a freelancer? I had
1: a full-time job briefly for like three years, and that's pretty much it. Other than that, I'm 36 now, and I've pretty much been on my own. All right. You found that better so far? Uh, yeah, it's, I recommend it for everybody that can do it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
0: All right. So before we get into uh we we'll to go into a bit more detail about that. Let's talk about the plugin economy. So first of all, can you give us a brief introduction to what the site was all about and how it got started?
1: Uh, the Plugin Economy is a series of interviews and occasional articles with WordPress plugin developers. Usually, just ask questions about the development cycle and specifically marketing and sales, which I find very interesting. It actually came about because, because of Word, uh, WP Word Count, which I released a pro version for that at the end of 2016 and saw a nice sales curve at the start and then saw it kind of crater. And I was looking for help for marketing and stuff. And I found a Facebook group called Selling WordPress Products, mm-hmm. and that had a nice collection of interesting people with interesting products and some slight discussion, but I kind of wanted more. So I just started cold emailing people on that group, asking them if they would answer my questions about their plugins, and uh, just started publishing them online.
0: All right. So the idea was immediately to publish them. or did you actually just want to get in touch and sort of mastermind with them?
1: No, it was, well, it was part selfish and then part of publishing plan like fifty fifty like I was really just curious to have questions answered but I thought at the time I can't be the only person mm-hmm. who is struggling or interested in these kind of topics, and I really like I'm very inspired I guess by indie hackers which right. was originally started as a interview only kind of site mm-hmm. and I thought I could kind of just copy that format and get to know a little bit more about people and what they're doing
0: all right, so you actually took the initiative to set this up publicly rather than just keep it to yourself,
1: yeah I Look, I don't have any aspirations of
0: greatness. I think other people should have <laughs> access to the information as well, right? All right. So, in the beginning, how did you find the product owners? Was it just reaching out uh, cold emails?
1: 100% cold emails. Yep. Just cold emails. And I would bet 75% of them answered back. Like it was, everybody was pretty open to talking about uh, you know their products and themselves. That's pretty good.
0: Yeah. Was it mostly sort of smaller plugins or even the major plugins were applying?
1: I have really tried to focus on small to medium ones to start. Mm -hmm. I don't, the big, big ones I've never really even bothered to reach out to yet for two reasons, I guess. One, I'm not a big player, right? So I wanted to talk to people that were in the same kind of boat as me. And then two, I'm not sure if they would even bother to respond. (laughs) So (laughs) I just went straight for the smaller types. I guess small is not fair, but you know, I didn't talk to uh, any of the WooCommerce people or anything like that. All right. You plan to. Uh, at some point i'd like to get more i'm at 37 interviews now i'd like Mm -hmm. to get a little bit more and then once i've got i feel like i really got a good flow going
0: all right so let me ask you something so the interviews are all written and they're basically a few questions each yeah have you ever thought of converting that to a podcast
1: maybe although after the troubles we had this morning i don't know (laughs) it's a really good thing um i thought about it i don't know i think written stuff is just a little easier to consume sometimes and they're very short i think they're a typical interview is maybe 1200 words, something mm-hmm. like that. It's not, they're not very long. That's intentional too. I don't know. Hey, I don't think people want to talk about themselves forever. And I don't know if it's interesting that they ramble on. So.
0: All right. Okay. This leads to my next question. So how do you actually pick the questions to ask for each product? And is it the same across all fields?
1: It's similar. I have like a set of like five questions that you'll probably notice repeat mm-hmm. or themes repeat. And then it's a bit, The product is particularly interesting or like in a a specific industry i'll ask industry specific questions
0: all right so moving on to the interviews themselves you've interviewed a lot of product owners so far so let's talk a little bit about what dev had to say and what you've learned from them so first off what are the most common ways these products came into existence
1: i guess there's a couple of ways People are usually inspired by like their hobbies or even like their own businesses. I think a lot of times, and I can speak for this myself too, I guess clients or just jobs that come up require plugins. And then you Mm -hmm. build these plugins and you think to yourself, well, someone else has to have a need for this plugin. Right. I think a lot of people are probably trying to force themselves into markets like, Oh, what's a good example. Like, I don't know, we don't need another like contact form plugin, right? Yeah. But I think a lot of people are probably trying to do that just because they see like a a large market, maybe that doesn't have a lot of openings, but at least they think they have a chance. And then um I think some of it's just dumb luck or or better, yet it's not even dumb luck. How about this? It's um seeing opportunity and like pouncing on it. Like my favorite interview on the site is probably Crypto WP, mm-hmm. which is like a cryptocurrency plugin that gives you real-time data on your wordpress site and i think his name was alex alex built that thing in like 30 days yeah like he just woke up one day and said wait a minute and then 30 days later spiked the football and he was done you know like he had a full-fledged product at the height of like cryptocurrency insanity
0: exactly yeah you know? we actually spoke to alex ourselves and we built a website with aggregator called uh, CryptoHeadlines.com. And basically, it's aggregated content about cryptocurrencies from multiple, multiple sources, including podcasts and YouTube videos and everything. And then anything related to crypto prices or anything like that, or the coins themselves, we all use entirely Alex's plugin to do that.
1: Yeah, it's really smart. Like the way his timing on that was, it couldn't have been better. That was a really good move. And I think that's an opportunity maybe a lot of people don't see coming or don't think about, but It's kind of striking while the iron is hot.
0: Yeah. And actually, in a previous episode with with Joe Casabona, we discussed about something similar to this, which is there aren't many niches left to actually get into. Because before, you'd find a niche that there's nothing, no plugin that caters for it, and you'd build something and eventually it can grow into a product. Nowadays, most of those areas are filled. But I think something like crypto, cryptocurrencies, it's something still relatively new now. And there's quite a bit of area to go into, I think.
1: I agree that there aren't a lot of niches. I I think all the niches now fall under like existing plugins, right? Like mm-hmm. a WooCommerce extension or a Easy Digital Downloads extension. Those are where all the niches are. I think that's kind of doom and gloom, I guess, but I think he's right. I think there's the opportunities for small plugins are there, but the market maybe doesn't suffice it. Yeah,
0: and how you mentioned contact form plugins before. I mean, things like Gravity Forms and Ninja Forms, it's also that it's small. Basically, at the end of the day, was a good marketing to actually get out there. And they dominate now. So it's such really, there isn't much space to get into there. You're not going to grow to that extent.
1: I think the doors are closed on any kind of like major what's it, like software suite approach to a plugin. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I just think any of the basic building blocks of a website that could be powered by a plugin, good luck at this point. Mm-hmm, exactly. I think you're in serious trouble if you're going to go down that route.
0: Especially now with Gutenberg, which i we'll get into a bit later on as well most of the major plugins are already getting into that. So you're already a step behind if you're not ready for that part.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. But Gutenberg, if you aren't hitting that right now, I think you're in trouble.
0: Yeah. All right, so besides the products coming into existence, your first interview, I believe, was in June 2017. Mm -hmm. So it's not very long ago. But what have been the biggest challenges faced today by WordPress product owners that maybe they wouldn't have faced Either last year, two years ago, three years ago. Uh well, can we talk about Gutenberg? Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure, go ahead. <laughs> well, as I maybe mean, it's not a problem, but like that's where we're heading, right? Like in a mm-hmm. incredibly fast direction. Maybe not in a smart direction, but whatever. To me, that's the biggest change coming. You just even for plugin developers, like there's so much opportunity there. Like I saw, I wish I could remember the guy's name. He had made a Gutenberg block that just let you drag and drop a Google embed map into a WordPress post. And that sounds so basic, but that's the kind of stuff that is out there right now. You know, like those are the opportunities. Mm -hmm. Everybody's kind of starting from zero. So if you want to get into the plugin game and you think there's some kind of Gutenberg twist you can have, I hope you have an affinity for JavaScript and some time because (laughs) like now is it. And to answer your question a little differently in six months from now, what's the, what's it going to look like, you know?
0: Yeah. Gutenberg is going to change quite a few things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As you said, it's positive or negative. Everyone has their own opinion. So we'll see where that's going to lead. If you're in client services, it's all negative. I'm telling you right now, it's all <laughs> negative.
1: It's a day one disable for me. It's, the second it gets released, I'm cutting it off for all my clients until we get some kind of ramp built up where they can start using it.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. There's a learning curve for how to use it. There's a learning curve for plugin developers to actually find the time to develop them, to develop those blocks? And whether it even make sense to develop a block? I know there's going to be a plugin to basically switch back to the old Visual editor. I believe it's oh, yeah, that exists. I
1: think that's incredibly popular already.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's going to get even more popular when Gutenberg comes out.
1: <laughs> That'll be the number one uh, repo plugin that day.
0: <laughs> Hands down. Massive downloads. Right. All right, so... Besides those kind of challenges, with regards to development, is it just Gutenberg that making a difference in now, or is there maybe a different approach to development to when you started interviewing?
1: I don't know. I feel like it's not different, but everybody has the same problems with like compatibility and server setups. Mm-hmm. And this customer is on really cheap hosting, and this impacts my plugin this way. I see a lot more people, touched on this earlier, switching to building extensions for existing plugins. Yeah. And that's kind of a minefield in of itself. Like, what if you wake up one day and your WooCommerce plugin has been rolled into core? Kind of, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> or if you just wake up and there's changes. Like, that's that's a struggle. But again, I think that's that's maybe a risk worth taking because, again, you know that there are people out there looking for those kind of plugins and that kind of and that kind of setup.
0: Yeah, precisely. Um, We're actually in a similar situation ourselves. We we had three EDD extensions up until the end of last year. And uh, basically, they EDD changed the way they're going to be doing add ons. So they're not going to have third party add ons. Yeah. So, two of the premium plugins we had before, one of them is now free on WordPress.org or checkout message. EDD themselves purchased one called at the card pop up, which I believe is going to be rolled into the core plugin sometime in the future. And Bookings is something we took on for ourselves and we're basically doing an entire rewrite. But as you said, Bookings is sort of a risk in a way because one, there's already a lot of Bookings plugins out there, whether it's integrations or not, whether they're the standalones. EDD does not have a Bookings plugin for itself, besides our own right now. So it's a challenge to develop that and to eventually market that. And also, it's kind of being a challenge to integrate with Gutenberg once we get to that, because it's a year into research and development, basically. And we're about to launch, but Gutenberg is another challenge even after that. And as you said, integrations become a problem because one of the main integrations we have is with an EDD extension called Frontend Submissions, which basically allows marketplaces to sell services. So vendors can can set up their own services. And if anything changes in that, then something changes in your plugin.
1: Right. And you wake up to 100 emails one day asking why your plugin's broken.
0: Precisely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think the best approach in that case is something that we're trying to do is keep Close to the people you're building extensions for, so we're in touch with Pippin all the time. We're in touch with their team. Anytime we develop something, we share it with them. We let them know what's going on. Right. So at least you're working together and you're not working against each other.
1: But you have the extra benefit of having like a previous relationship with them, right? Because of yeah, the marketplace, true. so that that's helps true. a lot. Like if you're just like me, for example, and you want to decide one day you want to make a EDD plugin, like I've got no traction there whatsoever.
0: True, but you can always get in touch. I mean, if, you do, if you're building something that's going to compete with one of their add-ons or products or whatever it is, that's a different question. But if it's something they don't have and which can benefit them, I don't think it's a bad idea to actually speak speak out and reach out.
1: Some of the most interesting interviews have been people that do WooCommerce extensions to me. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know, I, I use WooCommerce for some of my clients and anybody who's used WooCommerce knows that it seems great out of the box. And then two hours later, you're asking yourself why it doesn't do all these <laughs> obvious things. Like what was one? Oh, like last year I had a client that needed to do like um, scheduled sales, which you think would be real simple. And it's just not like not in bulk. But then I looked around and some guy had done a plugin that lets you do bulk scheduled sales for WooCommerce. Like, okay, like that's great. Now answer some questions I have about your plugin for my website. <laughs>
0: like uh, That's actually leads to problems because then you have one WooCommerce core plugin. You have maybe official WooCommerce extensions. Then you have third party extensions. Everyone's trying to be compatible with core, they need to be compatible with the other third-party extension. So if you do something that's going to be incompatible with one other plugin, it can cause a site to crash. It's going to cause either your support or someone else's support to explode. I mean, these things take a lot, a lot, a lot of time.
1: That's the beauty and danger of WordPress though, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. the, that's the system we've all agreed to sign up for,
0: I guess. Do you see it changing in the future?
1: no i no not really like again gutenberg the goots the only thing i could see is some kind of tragic fork but that's like not really going to happen I don't think. <laughs> that's i think no one's ready to push that red button so
0: i've actually had this discussion with, with a couple of people myself whether there there'd, be, a, oh, yeah whether there'd be a fork or not everyone has ideas but to actually build a fork of wordpress and to ma- make it a success and to actually get it out there that's in my opinion, it's impossible at this stage. Yeah,
1: right? it's impossible. You can cut this out of the podcast, but Gutenberg should just be a <laughs> .com plugin for the first year. It shouldn't even be available to anybody. They should have to bear the burden of supporting it and the transition.
0: I'll keep that in because I agree with that point. Right. <laughs> I like, think it, I think it's too quick. I I saw an interview I think uh, with with Yoast of uh, with Yoast, of Yoast, the CEO on the AWP Facebook group, Advanced WP. Yeah. Um, and he mentioned something. I'm not going to quote it. I don't know exactly how he said it. But if Gutenberg's planned for, let's say, two months' time, he thinks it's going to come out officially a few months later. I believe it's sure. something like that. And I agree with him because I don't think, one, that Gutenberg is ready and, two, that the community is ready for it. I'm, when was the last time you used it? Gutenberg?
1: Yeah. A uh,
0: couple of weeks ago. It's like For rough. a short amount of time.
1: It's rough. Yeah. Like It's not... Some of it is intuitive, some of it isn't. And the install base right now is sad. Like, it's like 6,000 mm-hmm. active installs. Like, yeah. my plugin has almost 6,000 active installs. Like, come <laughs> on.
0: If you're going to roll this thing out to millions of people. Like, you need some more eyeballs on it first. Exactly. And to be honest, I tried it because there's the Gravity Forms Gutenberg block now already, or mm-hmm. at least almost ready. And I tried that out, and it was simple to use. It's true. But I can't imagine the amount of work that went into that. And that's just one plugin that's published this. And you, you, can't, you can't expect everyone to be ready for Gutenberg. This is commentary on WordPress in general. But um, I work a
1: lot of my clients are in industry that has high employee turnover. like Just the way the industry happens to work. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm constantly reteaching people how to use like core WordPress right now. So what's going to happen when the layers of complexity are exponentially more... Difficult, you know, like now I have everybody that wants to be like a page building designer. Like, no, they're just people that want to do basic data entry. So that's the reason yeah. why I'm disabling on day one. I guess <laughs> <So> that's right. <my, laughs> that's,
0: that's another that's my thing insight. because it's it's not just, but it, Gutenberg should make things easier to use. At least that's the whole premise behind it. But once it's implemented, one, there's going to be, as you said, people like you who have to deactivate it for whatever reason, whether plugins are compatible or whatever. And there is going to be that tendency for those who don't know anything about design or development or anything like that, to mess around with blocks on pages and whatnot. I think many designers, many developers are going to be very, very mad a few days into into this.
1: Oh, yeah. It's going to be a a crisis for some people. People that you haven't heard from for years, clients are going to ask why their website has broken. I'm putting that in quotes, but like broken. You know, Mm -hmm. they're going to want to know what had happened. Although to be fair to all of this... Um, I feel like there's a tide shift amongst developers now. Like what I spoke about earlier, they're starting to see opportunities here. I think theme developers maybe feel differently, but if you're a plugin guy, you know there some spots to take shots. Like yeah, now whether or not it's a disaster when it launches and everybody hates it, and then you've spent all this time building these things that no one wants to use is another debate. But, I don't know. There's there's chances there for people to
0: make some moves yeah the space in and, and and plugins and themes do you see do you see it being positive or do you see it being negative uh you know it was originally i was going to do theme
1: and plugin interviews and mm-hmm. then i just kind of focused on plugins cuz that's kind of what i had some experience with i i can make a wordpress theme but i've never had ambitions to sell i think probably the theme business is on the decline now i don't know that for sure i just feel like that's anecdotal but i think a lot of probably major theme places are probably feeling some kind of pinch I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's because everybody's spent so much time making like all, all in one themes. It's probably like the theme forest mm-hmm. effect, right? Where mm-hmm. everybody's spent all this time convincing themselves that every theme has to work for every possible scenario and they just end up not working for any. And yeah. I think you've just kind of seen like a market washout, slightly related to this. But I was looking through my stats last night before we did this and like Code Canyon. Mm-hmm. Of the thirty some uh, whatever thirty-six people I've talked to, only two people use Code Canyon still or have ever used Code Canyon. To buy plugins and themes. To sell plugins and themes, or sell, sell, sell plugins. That. And like that's I think a pretty big shift
0: mm-hmm.
1: that I've seen in the last six months because that number is down. Like I have people that were using it when I talked to them that aren't using it anymore. Like it's just kind of falling off. But there's I don't know what the reason to use them is anymore. You know, like that just seems like it's a a bad road for anybody to take.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's a completely different discussion to go into because there's a lot of points we can cover yeah, on the that. Yeah, segue so. <laughs> there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, all right. So let's let's move a bit away from Gutenberg and get back to yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, please, get across. Economy. Yes, please. So besides development, obviously there's there's a marketing of the plugins which you mentioned. So what have been the most common marketing strategies that you've been seeing put to use for the smaller to medium plugins? I think
1: the most common strategy is no strategy. Like that was the problem I had too, was I just didn't have an approach. People that are good at this have really put up nice funnels with mailing lists and you know influencers that are talking about their products and stuff. If you're just like starting day one, the obvious approach is to do like a freemium model, right? So get them in with the free version and then try to upsell to the pro version. Um,
0: just to be listed on WordPress plugin repo.
1: Yeah. And I think, again, I have my numbers right here. Uh, 70% of the people I talk to have free versions of their plugins Mm -hmm. right now. And the people that don't usually have like demos or something that at least you can view it. Uh, So just starting there is like making it actually accessible. I know that seems kind of like dumb. But again, as an introverted software nerd, like those are the things you don't really think about, Mm -hmm. you know, especially because most of the people I talk to are solo people or like small teams, two or three. And this kind of stuff, you just don't either have experience with it or you just don't know how to get going so free versions are very popular uh like i said mailing lists like the faster you can get people on a mailing list the better mm-hmm. like i started that late for my plugin and i saw like huge conversion numbers the day i launched just from my small mailing list mm-hmm. like that right. was an easy way that was a very easy way to get sales and interest going
0: all right so about the free version on the plugin repo i think in my opinion it's a simpler, similar case to code candy i don't know if you agree In the sense that there's a lot of plugins on the plugin repo. If you go, if you're building up any plugin that there's a version of it that exists somewhere around on the the plugin repo, yours is always going to have less installs, less reviews, less everything. So how do you compete until you actually build that up? And how do you build that up?
1: You mean like two similar plugins? Yeah, exactly. Maybe you can't. Like, maybe it's too late. That's a good way to do market research, right? Is mm-hmm. to see I mean that's again going back to Crypto WP for a second that was his big like understanding was that the stuff that existed out there was bad you know like there were some that there are plugins that did just what his plugin was going to do but they were bad mm-hmm. so we saw that as an opportunity the repo is not only a place to store your or distribute your plugins it's a way to see what other people are doing right yeah like if you have an idea it's one simple keyword search and just to see what the competition's like
0: mm-hmm.
1: and maybe you're going to find out that it's not a good idea to compete with a guy that's got 100,000 installs. Fair enough. So like, if you're going to do a free version, man, make it as small as possible. Like, Don't put a bunch of time into it if you don't think it's going to have any kind of legs. If you're going for the revenue part, we're really taking the capitalist approach here, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> there, are, there are other ways to get involved and not have to be worried about generating a dime. But that's a, the approach to take is to think about competition levels on the repo and stuff.
0: All right. So have there been any particular strategies that have been repeatedly tried and tested but never really succeeded from the people you've interviewed? Like for marketing? Yeah, for marketing.
1: Uh, I don't I haven't talked to a single person that's had success with like uh paper click ads and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mild to tepid response to like paid posts and stuff like that as well. Most people seem to shoot
0: you mean reviews on Word, on top WordPress blogs and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's... I don't know what the reason is. I guess maybe it's because it's just fit. Like some plugins just don't fit well with that. I don't know. But that's That's not always the most popular or most successful route. Content marketing is always the best from what I can gather. Mm-hmm. But that <laughs> takes time, right? Like that's a slow burn. So that's it's not it's, for it's everybody. It's a slow
0: burn but it's worth going into At least if you're looking long term few months yeah, online, absolutely. that content's going to build up.
1: I think that's probably the smartest way. I think that's also, I mean, it costs time, both in creating the content and waiting for it to like gestate or whatever. But it's probably, if you're on a budget and you've got the resources to actually sit down and write some stuff, it's probably worth it.
0: Yeah, definitely. With regards to pay-per-click ads, it's something we tried ourselves. As you said, we ended up basically not making a loss, but not making much of a profit from it.
1: Yeah, you just kind of break even if you're lucky. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, when, when it's a small niche, it's different. If you search our segregator, there there aren't many plugins that come up. And since we've been around the longest um, and we've built the biggest customer base, it usually ends up being, if not first, around the top or most searches. So mm-hmm. even with pay click ads, it's not really that worthwhile. So I think unless I tried you, it myself
1: you... and had similar experience. I just basically broke mm-hmm. even.
0: Exactly. It wasn't and plus it takes time to actually learn how to use it and keep implementing it keep updating it and everything
1: i had yeah i had had experience with some clients with facebook ads and stuff so that kind of helped me a little mm-hmm. bit but um it didn't it didn't help me anyhow. <laughs> so, like, it didn't, it didn't matter. And then occasionally related to this you see people that like sponsor word camps and stuff mm-hmm. and i think that's almost impossible to track conversions on that but uh that helps spread the word at least
0: true conversions i don't know this Oh yeah, it's it's a bit difficult. I guess you can see if we have a free version, you can see higher downloads increase over the weekend.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, although the download numbers on the repo, I'm not sure how much stock we should put into those. But
0: yeah, it's true, especially when it comes to updates. I was actually reading reading something about that. Today. I think it was your post actually, an, an old post near your site
1: about active installs.
0: Yeah, the active installs one exactly. Yeah. Basically, how the more the more updates you release, the higher your download count, and it's just gonna look nicer.
1: Right, but the, the active installs, stuff. it's disturbing. They're actually kind of tracking you on the back end. Like mm-hmm. That's how they know what, what those numbers come from. And then they increment them in chunks of like, I can remember what it is now, 1,000, 100,000, something like that.
0: Yeah, I actually so, had a sh- short discussion with Mika Epstein on the plugin repo about, about this on uh, WordPress Slack. And yeah. uh, basically my, my beef with it is that if you should either show total amount, not ranges, I don't know why we had switched to a range. Who knows? Or at least explain, like my idea would just put a tooltipper next to it, explaining this and this is a range from this to this. But if you're just looking for, let's say, contact form plugins and you see 10,000 installs, you don't know what that is in comparison to others. You have to search through them and find it.
1: The uh, the download graph now has an uh, extra line for growth. Mm-hmm active install growth but it's just a percentage i mean you could probably do some math wizardry and try to figure things out there but yeah i don't know why it has to be semi-secret yeah it's useful for developers i don't know why
0: why it's hidden for developers in what way
1: so you know how many people are using your plugin Uh, like an accurate number as a
0: person developing it you mean
1: yeah yeah as the person in charge of that particular plugin like i i track mine every once in a while i just log in to see what's going on and Mm You know, you wake up one day and it's a thousand higher than it was yesterday. You're yeah, like, well, what happened? Well, nothing happened. It was just a slow climb over the last couple of months.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right. So from the interviews you've done, in your opinion, what are the biggest benefits of building products for WordPress? And what are the biggest disadvantages right now?
1: Oh, boy. Um, advantages. Uh, I think it's an easy market to get into. Like, you can spin up a plugin pretty easily. you're a php guy no problem Mm
0: -hmm.
1: there's i guess there's upsides and downsides to that uh it's really easy to take a swing at something i guess is what i'm trying to get at you might fail but at least there's not a lot of ramp up disadvantages hmm
0: right so advantages is that the only one you see well i don't know kind of
1: like you have the same problems you have with like a SaaS app or something you know if you're gonna sell again if you're trying to sell like, it's the exact same troubles finding market fit. Like, what's the difference between, I mean, think about some of the plugins I've interviewed or people I've interviewed are basically just building SaaS apps inside of WordPress, right? Mm-hmm. So these people know, like, you basically have the same problems. You have the same conversion problems. You have the same marketing problems. Like, it's tough. Like yeah. Most SaaS apps don't make it. Most WordPress plugins really don't make it. Now, if you have, it depends on your goals, too, I guess. Like, I my plugin is slash, or half, um, it's kind of like business experiment, you know. Like I don't really mm. I don't need it to make it from month to month so if you have low goals with a low entry to or low barrier to entry WordPress is pretty good I don't know if you should quit your day job to sell a WordPress plugin right now
0: depends how big and how fast you go
1: I guess but then you'll know that I guess pretty quickly if it takes off pretty quickly but I, I, there's mm-hmm. the to me the advantage is that you're working inside of an ecosystem that is well-established with a lot of install bases and a lot of people interested in finding tools to augment that
0: system. Right. What about the community around WordPress? Do you see that as an advantage?
1: Yeah. like two, I guess in two ways. A, it's large. Right. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's good. <laughs> um, and I've, again, I'm, I'm new to this, really, if you think about it, seven, or eight months or whatever. And uh, everybody's been insanely friendly and open for the most part. Like... Everybody's willing to offer advice, which I think is nice. Mm-hmm. That's in the plugin space, I guess. I should say maybe the theme people are real like caddy with each other. I don't know, <laughs> but the plugin people are very nice. And uh, the Advanced WordPress group and the Selling Facebook or Selling WordPress Products Facebook group are great. Mm-hmm. Like, it turns out that if you're willing to ask the right questions or just ask people questions, they're willing to help.
0: Yeah, I think if you if, you, if the question you ask is gonna help the community, it always helps to get a good answer from the right people. Yeah, absolutely. And the same applies for post-status Slack. Like, so I'm not sure you familiar with post-status. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, you join a premium group and you right. get access to a lot of people to discuss any subject you want. Yeah, it's actually been one of the most helpful communities I've been a part, for, a part of so far. So you actually get replies from anyone you want, usually. And it actually helps you get in touch with people you don't usually get access
1: to yeah it's like i said like that's kind of why i started the plugin economy is that i just wanted to i don't have anybody local to really talk to about that mm-hmm. and the easiest way is just to reach out and like i said i think everybody's answers are generally pretty useful i mean there's going to be something somewhere that you can find useful so you might as well put it online somewhere for yeah, everybody else to read exactly
0: all right so close up about the plugin economy one of the particular interviews that I read from your site, which grabbed my eye, was the one with Brant Calder, I think his name is.
1: Yeah, that's my favorite. I take that back. That's I like that more than CryptoWT. <laughs> Sorry, CryptoWT.
0: <WP. laughs> that stood out to me because basically he talks about his adventure in building WordPress plugins and then selling them soon after on a, yeah. a marketplace called Flipper. And one of the examples is Sliced Invoices. And I found it very interesting to see that method actually end up successful for him. So he ended up with three other plugins, which he built built up, mm-hmm. set up some marketing for, and then sold on. So my, my question was actually going to be what other interviews stood out to you besides this one. So are there any others, either for the right or for the wrong reasons, maybe something you didn't even publish that stood out to you? Uh, I've published them all.
1: Oh, recently I talked to um David Sherlock, was his name? He runs a company called Cell Comet. Mm-hmm. And that guy is like prolifically putting out easy digital download extensions. Like he needs to take a break. It's happening so fast. <laughs> and I thought like that approach is interesting to me. I guess I've kind of talked about that already, but there's so many opportunities there or just things you can create that slide right into EDD. And he's really taking advantage of that. Like it's his output is crazy. your like interesting. Um, no, I think it's like probably 50, 50. Some of them are free. Right. Some are premium. I talked to uh, Katie Keith from barn Two media. Mm-hmm. which I think she had some articles go over and around at the time I talked to her, like on WP Tavern and stuff about how they had switched from being like a design or a client services company to a product company, which mm-hmm. as I as a person in the client services game, I can attest that that's everybody's dream is to drop clients for customers. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty interesting too.
0: All right. Just because of the the switch, you mean?
1: Yeah, I just appreciate like the struggle. Like, <laughs> <it's> like <laughs> I can relate to that. It
0: makes sense. All right, so let's move on a bit to WP where count. okay. um so you've spoke a bit about it earlier. Uh, it's a WordPress plugin that you've built. Uh, is it first of all, is it the only one that you've built as a uh, it's the only product? one that
1: exists today today. I, the other two I've shuttered since then, but they were very right. simple.
0: They weren't really elaborate also also on WordPress.org. yeah, yeah, all right. So I'll turn the tables on you once again and ask you the questions you usually ask. Uh, all right, fair enough. Well. So uh, we said that the WP word count basically counts the number of words on your site and posts, and we'll go into basically the premium version, which goes into stats and all of that as well. Yeah. So first of all, how did you think up the idea? Like I said, I had a just a work journal I kept,
1: and I just had been running it for years. I thought, my God, I've written so much about these people. Like how much have I written? And there was a plugin available that was just gave you like a grand total. And I just thought to myself, like, I want to know like what months were really, what months were I really working hard and what months were I not, was I not really working hard <laughs> and stuff like that. And I wanted different post types too. So um, that was kind of the start of it. And like I said, the pro version was just kind of me thinking to myself, like, how does this whole premium WordPress plugin game work?
0: All right, like, yeah, I to so follow scalable. up with that. So it was basically just sort of a trial to do the pro version. So see what the pro version was work.
1: yes absolutely it was just i had a i had a that's i guess part of the story about plugin economy is that i had a slight break in client work for like a month mm-hmm. so i did the pro version real quick and then as soon as the pro version came out i was like swamped with client work for six months so <laughs> i never really got a chance to get like the marketing ball rolling and then when i did it just kind of failed and petered out immediately so that's why i asked for help from other people all
0: right and actually i so saw from wordpress.org i believe you rewrote the plugin right?
1: Yeah, I've rewritten it twice. I think actually the free version. Uh, I just rolled out another release a couple of days ago.
0: So, all right. So, did you actually decide on the premium model, or was it just something that sort of land sort of landed on your lap in a way? Well, I had like
1: ideas for features I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I had like a roadmap, and I thought to myself, like I had, I don't know. I think in hindsight, not enough active installs, but at the time, I thought it was enough to like kind of generate some interest. Mm-hmm. So um, I just thought I'll just take these features that I've thought to roll into the free version and I'll branch out and make like a pro version instead. And I think that's probably a pretty common story for most people.
0: Yeah, into this. It's actually how aggregators started many years ago.
1: <laughs> but you guys have like the extension model, right? Where you
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, premium add-ons rather than from just one right. pro See, version.
1: We had not talked about that yet, but that's the way I think everybody's probably going to start going. I think it makes a lot of sense. I wish I had done that
0: in hindsight too. With word count?
1: Yeah, or with that just, or it, for word count specifically, but yeah, if I ever thought to do anything else in the future, I would do it that way.
0: All right, so why, why would you do that over freemium? Avoid um, the just pro I version? just think
1: it's probably easier to maintain in general. <laughs> like having two versions is a real pain. Um, I think it's way easier just to get people on board with the free version and then to start transitioning them to segment out into extensions that they possibly need. I All think that right. would be a lot nicer. I think it would just be easier for me as a developer if I had baby extensions instead of like a whole pro version.
0: I guess it depends how big your feature set is though. Because for for instance, with Wordcount, how how did you decide decide which features would be premium and which ones would be free?
1: Uh I basically wanted everything that was like extra analysis or statistical breakdown to be pro. All right, so the free version gives you like a very general overview, and it actually maybe it might even give you too much, but there's no way to go back on that now, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that was my goal, and that's the goal moving forward too is any kind of thing that gives extra analysis or benefit outside of just giving you raw word counts is gonna go in the pro version
0: all right, so let's take sort of smaller plug and like like word count. Uh, say smaller in comparison to Woocommerce and all the big ones, of course,
1: sure, yeah, uh,
0: so how would you turn that into an add-on model? Like my
1: existing one for
0: WP Workout? Yeah, rather than having Pro. So how would you... Oh, okay. Because with, well, a, with, would with a smaller like, plugin, it makes sense to have certain features free, certain features Pro. But right. how, if you're going to add-ons, then how do you split those add-ons? How would you price them? I mean, there's quite split a lot of pricing. We
1: didn't even talk about pricing. Pricing makes my head spin. So that's a good question. For my plugin, I would split it out. Like I'm going to do... Right now, I have you can have author breakdowns. You can have uh, deep monthly breakdowns. There's like an achievement system that tracks how much mm-hmm. you're writing and gives you like a scoreboard effect. Like all of those things could be extensions. Relatively simple. Like that's how I would do it for my own. And then down the down the line, I'm gonna do like a very light keyword analysis. So that's that would be an extension. At this point, I think I'm too committed to the current setup. That's I mean, how I would do it. But
0: do you think that would frustrate people, given that they can all be linked into one plugin, essentially?
1: Maybe, but my users, they don't all need author statistics, for example, because they're mm-hmm. the only author. They don't need like a okay. rundown of every writer, or not everybody really cares about keyword analysis, for example, in the future, moving forward. Mm-hmm. Or not everybody likes gamification, so the achievements are not for them. You know, all right. that kind of thing. Now, for as far as pricing is concerned, my plugin is like stupidly cheap. So I'm not sure how I'd, wring- I'd wrangle that. but
0: Yeah, that, that actually comes into the pricing. Do you think you're better off pricing add-ons at a lower price or having a premium version that still isn't too expensive but can bring you in more income?
1: I don't know. It depends on how you do the renewals and stuff too, right? Like I don't do yearly renewals. Mine's just a flat fee, which everybody's probably like aghast at that. But I just feel like that's right for my particular plugin.
0: So it's a lifeline. It's a lifeline. Yeah. All right. And that's
1: rare. Like 80, 90% of the people I interview do yearly renewals.
0: Yeah, so do we. And I think the main, I, the main reason for it, at least for us, is support and development. Then you have to yeah, so maintain that.
1: It makes perfect sense to me. I don't have a lot of support requests, just knock on wood that you're supposed mm-hmm. to do. <laughs> but um, yeah, I understand the need for it or I understand the benefit of it. I just don't right. do it for
0: some reason. And in your case, it could make sense, but if it's if there isn't much support and development is not sort of your full time thing, focus hundred percent on that, and it takes up all your time, then it makes sense.
1: Well, I also appreciate that my plugin is kind of simple, and mm-hmm. it's not something you like look at every single day. You know, like it's just yeah, yeah. kind of like a add on to the WordPress system, essentially, mm-hmm. and it's really targeted towards like heavy writers. I think like you would be amazed at the number of words some of these people are writing. You know, like <laughs> I think it's it's pretty niche. Like it's pretty. It's pretty small. So the price, I think, reflects that kind of, to me. I think that's insane. But.
0: All right. So apart from maybe choosing the, the, the wrong model for the more most income, for example, I don't know if it's a, if it's a mistake or not, but you wouldn't know unless you try. But what yeah. other mistakes have you made with word count that oh, maybe boy. you treat differently today? We need more time. Um, especially, especially after interviewing everyone. Yeah, exactly. No, 100%.
1: Uh, free version, too much stuff in it. No going back on that though. Mm-hmm. Again, when I released it, I didn't think there would ever be like a premium model. Like it sat on the repo for years and years and years. So All right. there's no going, there's no time machine to fix that. <laughs> Pricing, like I, I just said, it's low, but I have been raising it. So like, that's <laughs> something like it's been going up with every release.
0: to add more features.
1: Yeah, exactly. That That's part of the plan too, right? But um, marketing, like I said, I had a crunch when it launched, but that's not its fault. That's my fault. I hired some people to do like some marketing work for me very early on and uh, before I knew what I was doing. And that was kind of a disaster. I would not recommend anybody does that. I could have just done it myself. Really?
0: Just because you were still more sort of a thing.
1: I was just busy. Like I was just straight busy. And that was like the busiest six months I've had in a long time, like work wise. And I just didn't, I wanted, but I wanted something to happen. Does that make sense? Like I wanted Mm -hmm. some work to be done on it in a non-development way. So you wouldn't hire someone now? Um, I I just, yeah, maybe depends on the person, I guess. I, no one knows your product better than you. And it's not like I'm trying to sell to like enterprises. You know what I mean? Like it was just, (laughs) I could have, if I just would have set aside some more time and grinded it out, I could have just done it myself. I guess that's my advice is to try to do it yourself first before you find help for like a marketing or something like that or sales. Sales are hard, right? Like that's, it's never but you can learn. I think
0: there's enough, there's enough content out there today to actually try something yourself first.
1: Well, that's the thing, right? So the people I worked with, like I appreciated their advice, actually. I, their execution, not great, probably. Mm-hmm. But like some of the things they told me to do, I ended up doing myself. Like It just, just took me some time to get there.
0: Yeah. All right. So do you have any other ideas about plugins that eventually discover someone has started on them? And have you had any other ideas, saying, "All right, I can build my my repository of, of plugins here, and then you find someone else is already doing it, doing it well,
1: like take over their stuff."
0: No, no. Hasn't. Have you ever had an idea of, let's say, let's say contact form? You say I want to do a contact form plugin for myself, and I'll I'll put it out there, and then you go research and you find there's a bunch of premium ones. Has that happened at all, or have you not looked into other plugins? Oh, for me, yeah, um,
1: yeah I have. I'm kind of working on another one soon for writers kind of trying to stay in that lane. Um, I'd written a post actually on the site about plugin adoption. Mm-hmm. Cause for a while there was like a really big movement to have uh, plugins be adopted with a tag on the repo. So yeah. I was kind of looking into that and uh, I think someone who was it, I was just listening to a podcast the other day. Um, is Phil Dirksen, the WP simple pay guy. I think that's who that is. He um, was talking about this. He basically went on the repo one day and tried to find a plugin that had a lot of installs and wasn't being touched or hadn't been touched in a long time and reached out and took it over. And Mm -hmm. I thought about that too. And that kind of ties into like taking over a plugin from someone else like Brent Calder does like, like he sells, but we're talking about adoption, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I thought about that and it's, I don't know, there's a lot of troubles with that. You got to really be ready for a support burden that you're maybe not ready for and deep diving into a code base that maybe is not up to snuff. It's a troublesome road.
0: But then again, I I actually read about this last week as well, the idea of adoption. And people were saying it makes more sense to have basically WordPress developers go in and adopt old plugins, at least ones that are still being used. Because there are many plugins out there which are on the plugin repo, haven't been updated in, say, two years, but they're used by tens of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. I think it's worth, obviously, depending on the market it's in and whether Gutenberg's going to affect and all that, I think it makes sense to actually find something that has a lot of has a big user base. And as long as you have the resources to put into it, I think it's a good start. Because even if it takes you a few months to re to rebuild it from scratch, you can maintain support in those few months in the meantime. And then you have a massive user base to get started right away.
1: There um there's an interview on the site with the people that make the under construction plugin. And mm-hmm. that was kind of their story, if I remember correctly, is that they found an existing one and adopted it and then like the growth isn't crazy like they have an insane number of installs but like you said they've they're willing to put the time into it like they've been pushing out updates constantly and they really went at it pretty hard so i guess i mean it's a good plan i think if you're willing to put the time in and you got to really hit the right sweet spot too i think if you find yourself adopting a plugin a if you can even get a hold of the person but b if you find yourself adopting a plugin that you end up not liking you know, or that doesn't suit to you, that's, you're basically just going to go right back to making it derelict on the repo, not being pretty much. Used.
0: <laughs> All right. So final question for you. What have you learned from the other WordPress product owners through the plugin economy interviews that you've been implementing in your own plugin and in your own business? So development, marketing, whatever it is.
1: Well, I guess the big one, I've been trying to do a better job of, I guess, upsells, the trashy word upsell to Mm -hmm. the pro version inside the free version i feel like that was really lacking in previous updates um i'm also committing to this but haven't started yet doing more regular updates to the free version um it languished for a while and i shouldn't have done that that was foolish because almost everyone i've talked to that has the freemium model stresses how they are constantly updating the free version which makes sense it's just all common sense stuff Mm -hmm. And then marketing, like I said earlier, it's just kind of like about effort. You've really got to have the the want to either start writing things or I'm not afraid to cold email people, obviously, but like <laughs> you gotta you gotta get the time and the motivation. And you gotta be you can't be afraid to have people just like totally reject you.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right. I think we've covered quite a few topics, Brian. Is there anything yeah. else you'd like to add? Uh, no, thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun. All right. Thank you for joining us. We'll put all links to all uh, the plugin economy on the plugin itself for WP WordCount in the show notes. So be sure to check those out. Uh, Thanks again, Brian, and we'll see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of mastermind.fm. If you liked what you heard in today's episode,
1: please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your feedback encourages us to keep producing the kind of content that you have come to rely on for your own entrepreneurial journey. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show, send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at mastermind.fm. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week.